Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You think about the person in your life, when you started, believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifices. And I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, what I'm talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardy. Hello, Bardy. Hi, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who's never had intimate relations with a pig, as far as I'm aware, it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. As far as I'm aware. <laughs> um, so to explain to explain the, the, the very um, clear pronunciation of Bardi's name uh he ran a competition last week and we got lots of emails um referencing the Vardy competition I think people will think your surname is Vardy I mean I, don't, I just don't get it why it just doesn't make any sense to me I have <laughs> back in the day when you used to be able to generate your like make your own football player in FIFA they didn't have Bardi obviously so I did use the the soundbite Vardy but that's that's it that's the only time <laughs> I bet that's ever come close to Bardi. I mean, B's and V's, I guess. They do sound... And why is that is a thing, nice? Nathan? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> don't ask me to explain this. It's really funny. I've really enjoyed getting these emails all week for the Vardy competition. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I reference the, the intimate relations with the pig because this week, like today and this week, it's just been like a throwback to 10 years ago in terms of... David Cameron, who allegedly did have intimate relationship with a pig, returning to government, which is just insane. Uh, rioting in the streets by extreme <laughs> right-wing uh, statue shaggers. And <laughs> uh, Spurs throwing away last-minute goals, capitulating at the death. Uh, it all feels very yesteryear. Um, we'll get stuck into the Wolves game, shall we? Get over and done with. <sighs> so... We knew we were going to be um, down to the bare bones this week. But when the starting 11 was announced, Bardi, Vardy, with Dyer, Davis, Emerson Royale and Hoybier in, how did you feel? I mean, it's the return of the chumps, isn't it? It's all, <laughs> all my favourites back. All the players that I have said are uncoachable. <laughs> I'm, glad they t- I'm glad they turned up and they showed they're still as uncoachable uncult- now as they were back then. Oh, I mean, if there was, if I was watching it going, shaking my head, and like, have we learnt nothing? It's the same, same thing. It could have been anything over the last three years with these idiots. I mean, 
I, people got upset with me saying Ben Davies was our best player, and, uh, perhaps. And I, I don't mind Ben Davies as a substitute, as a player that can fill in here and there. But my God, no, it was, um, it was really depressing. Those, those, that, that group. I called them the Bermuda Triangle. Those three together just drove me crazy. Nathan, did you have any thoughts when you saw the lineup? Um, I was pleased that Ben Davies was deemed match fit because yep. um, I thought we were going to see Hojbjerg at centre back. Because I don't think Phillips or Dorrington are ready for first team football. I went and watched them play Peterborough together, and um, Donnelly struggled with the physical level. Dorrington. Against... Oh, I've done it again. I've done <laughs> it two podcasts in a row. Oh my days. Dorrington. <laughs> Dorrington struggled with the physical element against grown men, and Phillips' ball playing was a uh, was was not not at the required level. Um, so I thought Hoiberg was going to play centre back. So with Davies being fit, that's good news, right? Because that freezes up. But then it meant that Hoiberg played in midfield, <laughs> which like and and look, don't get me wrong, Hoiberg's Hoiberg's a good player, but the midfield of Basuma, Hoiberg, and Saar is a real disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. That's that's a good enough word. It's a disgusting. It midfield. is a disgusting midfield Absolute that should never be seen again. Show of a midfield. Oh God! I did feel really disappointed in Ange when I saw that midfield. Like I before mean, the match, I felt on. disappointed with Ange, honestly. Mm. Um, and, and in some ways, I could see it coming. I could mm-hmm. sort of, I could sort of see because this is the thing: he's got very few players that he trusts, very few players that he uses regularly, other than you know our our main starting eleven, and then Hoybier, who he brings on to close out games. And then, like, one or two around the side who are mostly injured right now. So I could I could see it coming. He's barely used LaCelso. He's barely used Brian. He hasn't really experimented with Kulusevski inside. He's not been interested in playing Jamie Donnelly, who I think is the closest profile match to James Madison in the squad. So it wasn't hugely surprising. And you know what? After two minutes and we're ahead part of me is like, maybe it's not the worst idea. Just like get through this game and get out the other side and then figure it out over the international break. Like figure out what you're going to do with your midfield. But as the game went on and the lack of creativity was absolutely mind-blowingly, painfully absent, frankly, um, the, 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 the creativity was non-existent in that midfield. I couldn't bear it. And I, I, I thought to myself... Yeah, he's got this one wrong. He's got this one wrong from the start. And I thought the subs were fine. We'll talk about this in a bit. I thought the subs were fine, but I do think he got it wrong. And I think he is going to have to do something differently next time. Um, Bardi, Brett says, are Gary O'Neill and Bardi related? There's a certain resemblance. I, I, I don't get this. I've been accused no, of like a few people, but I, I, I don't get it. He's got grey hair like me. <laughs> got a bit of a funny face like me, but that's about it, really. I'm quite offended, Maybe the mouth. Brett. We're gonna have a word with you. Next next ex sub meetup, we're gonna have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> um we've got loads of questions about this game. I think this is it's quite interesting, isn't it, that we have a, a, a disappointing performance, disappointing result, and the questions absolutely flood in. Um yeah, make of that what you will. So uh Arnie says I don't think there was as much high-intensity running from Son today. Do you think he was asked to preserve himself a little against Wolves? 
I said on the the reaction pod that I did that this was Son's worst performance of the season and that it's no surprise that it came with Madison missing. What did you guys think of Son's performance? Uh, he was barely in the game at all, right? We didn't we didn't find Son at all. And um, I've talked before about how like that's kind of a thing in 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 Ange ball that Kyogo barely ever touched the ball. That Son and Charleston generally don't tend to do a lot um, until the penalty box. Um, and so when we're not creating chances, our striker's not involved. So I, I think that that's the main thing. But also, like, Sun was definitely, definitely gassed against Chelsea after about 60 minutes. And then he's playing less than a week later. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe not quite recovered. And then again, I thought, like, obviously we're going to talk about the end of the match. But, um, like, him and Kulosevsky were, were non-factors in the final 10 minutes of the game mm-hmm. um, defensively. Um, so... Yeah, definitely getting a a bit of a an issue there, but I think mostly the reason that Sun wasn't present in the game. Well, two reasons, and one of them we're about to talk about. One is that he was beaten up by Craig Dawson all game, and the other is that we didn't pass him the ball. Yeah, I think so. I think the biggest problem with Sun was like we've spoken all season that he's just scoring goals in the box and he's not really mm-hmm. doing anything else. And if we're not working the ball into the box, this is nothing for him to feed on. He had one opportunity in the second half, which I thought he kind of dilly dallied on. He should have done a bit mm-hmm. better, but um, that Wolves midfield man, that was pure legs. They could run, and that that Cunha, I I swear I thought he was a central midfielder because he would he was just picking the ball up deep and just charging through people. It was like some kind of Joe Linton. Um, Dembele um, reincarnation is quite incredible like he's not a forward he's just this kind of menace that just wanders around the pitch (laughs) and um, we just couldn't live with their physicality especially as the game went on there's just the amount of times they just run off the back of our centre midfielders it's just it was just embarrassing. Spurs got got ground down, and we couldn't we couldn't build up through through the play. I thought Kulisewski and Poro was our kind of most kind of creative combination, but they they soon put an end to that, and then there was just nothing else coming from Saar Johnson. I thought Johnson started well, but it felt like he got a little bit bullied and a little bit kind of they they kind of took to him the crowd and the players they targeted him and he he crumbled a little bit yeah i um i've come away from this game with a sort of a slightly weird takeaway from johnson which is like um like yep yeah, this guy is definitely like a premier league level player this guy this guy is a footballer this guy can play but also he's definitely not what we need when the when the play is slow yeah mm-hmm. when we're when we're breaking fast back to front because we've either won the ball or we've outplayed the press he's going to be really strong in those moments but for a lot of the time against wolves we need someone who's going to make something happen on that side of the pitch and he's not he's not going to do that lovely goal really lovely goal from him really good movement really good finish from him uh, good good move all round obviously um but yeah he's he's sort of more of a, i mean he's like having another son on the pitch right and we just talked about how if he's not in the game he's not in the game so yeah especially in kind of deep areas because we just couldn't work the ball out they davies vicario dyer they couldn't manage to get the ball out they couldn't work through midfield and johnson apart from a couple of occasions was picking the ball up really deep it just it was just weakness in certain areas and just we couldn't we couldn't get up the pitch man and it was we scored early and it it was almost like conte days of of hanging on and yeah. waiting to see what we could do maybe something on the break but otherwise keep it tight and don't let them score I thought that Eric Dyer was pretty good on the ball for 85 minutes. Um, and when I say that because I think that he was a lot better than um, Royale, Hoiberg, um, so. a, little, a little better than Davies, a little better than Saar. Yeah, so as much as he was definitely at fault uh, in and out of possession for Wolves' first goal, um, 
and you know also can't replace uh, Romero's proactivity and isn't you know a legendary ball player um I just want to avoid that tiny bit of over criticism there because I think that he was actually quite good at you know one of the few players actually managing to to play the ball through the lines a few times yeah I would I would strongly agree with that I mean I think also you have to look at the circumstances that Dyer hadn't started a match for over six months yeah like it's really really hard to just step in and expect the performance levels to be anywhere near what Romero's are we know he's not as good a player but not only is he not as good a player he's nowhere near Matt Sharp he hasn't played in the defense with these guys before and that really showed on the second goal when he tried to play offside um you know they're all if you look along the line they're all at a slightly different position yeah. there, there was no clear coherent understanding between them the first goal um obviously Dyer is the one that, that plays the ball into touch but I think if you look at when he's received the ball, there's nothing for him. There's nothing on. No one's moved. And what Romero would do in that situation is turn, put his foot on the ball, pass it back to Vicario, reset, start sure. again. And, and Dyer, you know, maybe lacking in composure compared to Romero, but also not adjusted, not as well adjusted to the system, didn't have the same degree of patience. And, you know, I do think it's up to the players around him and who are more... Um, used to the system to to create options and and no one did there was nothing for him and he tried to play a ball up the line because it was like the safest thing to do he felt yeah and, it, and he got it wrong there might have been a pass to Bentancourt there might have been a slide pass to Bentancourt under pressure um but he's he's trying to play the first time ball to Kulusevski as Kulusevski drops for the round the corner pass which they'd done a handful of times before in the in the in the game but again I think that um the main reason that pass doesn't come off is because Kulusevski is out on his on his feet and yeah. you probably don't want to pass, you know, ask a player to run towards you <laughs> to right. play around the corner ball if he's yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming Eric Dyer. Uh, you can we, blame Boyd today if you want, though. <laughs> you got a free pass. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to blame him either because before we started recording, Wendy, we were chatting about your parents' new dog, and like this is an old dog. Dyer and Hjoberg are old dogs, man, <laughs> and. Asking Eric Dyer to start playing like Romero at his advanced age and at his advanced kind of chunky physicality, it's just not going to happen. 100% he should have just stopped. There was no need to play the pass. There was yeah. no pressure on him. Roll put it your back. Foot, as Nathan likes, put your studs on the ball, stand there for a <laughs> second and just observe and wait for them to come. And then just flick it back to Vicario, who's more than happy to equally do the same. And I can't blame him for being an idiot because that's just how he plays football. I can't blame Hjoiberg for not tracking his man and running backwards just just because wait, that's what he does. I blame Tottenham for continuing with these individuals. And I know it would have taken almighty churn to get them out of the club. But mm. we playing Ben Davis and Eric Dyer and Hjoiberg in a Premier League game. The the other thing I want to have a word with, I, I didn't tweet this because I don't want to sound like Ty from Arsenal fan football TV, but you <laughs> see where matey boy Martin O'Neill picked up that ball for the quick throw-in out he comes charging out of his box grabs the ball quick throw-in and just come on man you, you're not allowed out your box and that just that just annoyed me a little bit <laughs> as well I mean if they're var in Haaland's goal as he's in the net and the ball's behind him and they're all sliding in together then why they're not observing O'Neill outside of his box catching fair the ball enough, and doing a quick throw that, that annoyed me as well oh, that's a fair point it's a fair point and uh, I think um so I've I've just spoken about Dyer being less accustomed to the system and and that sort of being a failure in this game. I think the same can be said on the second goal for Lacelso. I think he doesn't make himself immediately available to receive a pass from Hoybier when he does realise the pass is coming to. So he's slow to to um, come towards the ball, and then when it is played to him, 
He's waiting for it, and he gets pounced on. And I don't think it's a foul, personally. I've watched it in slow motion. I don't think he fouled Lamina. I think Lamina threw himself to the ground. I think Lamina fouled Lo Celso, in my opinion. Yeah, probably. Went through him, yeah. Um, but Lo Celso is taking a risk in waiting for the ball to come to him. Yeah. I don't think that Madison would have done that. I think he'd be moving towards the ball and looking to play it around the corner. So I, I do... Um, I see teething troubles, you know, these players being used for the first time since pre-season, essentially, and not being up to speed. And and I imagine as a result of this, we'll see some improvement after the international break. Two weeks of of them being the the focus in training, them being the ones trading with the system. I do think we'll see an improvement against Villa. Um, But it was really frustrating. And especially, like, I've said it a few times this year, like, Postacoglu's... um, Lack of trust in other players, I think, has been a little bit of a problem, to be honest. And I, I tweeted about it that we don't have backups, or, but it's not just that we don't have backups, it's that he's not using the backups we do have. So what happens when the players get injured or suspended is you've got players coming in who are not ready at all. No minutes in their legs, not used to the system, not played together, not indoctrinated. Uh, and and it was too many this time. It was too many in one game. Um I honestly thought the biggest problem for us uh, was was the midfield area. Hoybier's yep. passing, really awful. But Emerson Royale, I thought, was terrible in possession. Like, I'm so glad that Udogi's back for the next game because I do think that will improve us significantly. Like, I'm not... I really like Emerson Royale as a guy. I really like him as a sort of defensive fullback. I do not believe he can play inverted fullback successfully. I think he needs to be moved on in the next couple of windows and replaced by a, a better player. Yeah, I um I thought that he would be our starting right back for at least until January uh, and, and and possibly onwards um because I didn't have faith in Poro. But now I think I agree with you that he's um he's not even good enough to be second choice. Uh, maybe that's harsh because again, like you're saying, he's not getting. But then he is getting game time. He's played he a bit more, has right? Been getting game time, so he doesn't have the excuse of rustiness. So obviously he's on his left hand side. But maybe that's actually better for him, to be honest. I, yeah, I no. just think he's a technically weak player, to be honest, Nathan. He's just not quite there. He's not of a level of the others, um, and it's so exposing in those in those areas. Yeah, you know it, what Udogi and Poro do is so underrated. They're, they've been brilliant and so consistently brilliant and so brave in possession and Emerson Royal just can't do that he can't keep up well, Poro was uh, maybe a bit too brave in possession in this yeah game. <laughs> that's fair he's kind of having to though like with Madison out he's the guy Poro is the guy he's the next most creative player in the squad he's the one who's going to have to do things make all the, the risky passes sorry Barty what were you going to say no it's a it's a question but it really kind of jumps to running order just because I'm curious but I can, I can hold I can hold and I can be patient when we when we naturally get there I'm just being over eager and I want to know <laughs> what we're going to do now but uh, <laughs> let, let's just keep going with this sorry uh, so Ivan Victor says, given all the enforced changes, it wasn't a shock that we struggled against Wolves. But what are your thoughts on playing Saar on the left of midfield? It felt to me like we already had too many changes to personnel to disrupt the cohesion of our play, and that perhaps if Saar had been in his regular right-hand side role, the flank would have retained its usual composition and given us at least one area in the pitch where there was some understanding. Yes, thoughts? It seemed like he was um, like playing Hoibier in the right-hand side role, which is a deeper role, and therefore Saar is the sort of almost number 10, and I I don't like that role for Saar at all, man. I don't think he had really uh, much of an effect on the play at all in the entire game. Um yeah, I I think I think that's one to look back on and say that was that might have been a missed call. But then you know if you put Hoiberg in that role again, it's, it's that midfield three is just it's just 
anti-football, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that I think that Lacelso wasn't match fit. Um, I think that he's probably got to play the next match um, because we can't go forward with this midfield three. It's just absolutely <laughs> miserable as a midfield three. Um, but yeah, I think I think fair enough on on the observation of of um, prioritizing cohesion there and keeping Sar on the right hand side. Sure, Bardi, you wanted to talk about Basuma. Yeah, I did. He's just he's just not tactical, Windy. That's what that's what I've that's what we've discovered. No, I just think um, I think he's escaped a a bit of criticism recently. I think he's just got away with it. I think perhaps maybe he overperformed in the first few games of the season where he was sensational, and now he's kind of underperformed. But we're kind of letting it go. I think he's been pretty poor, and I thought he had another poor game. And especially when we're missing Madison, I think it's a kind of game where we really need something from him. We really need him to step up, and I just felt he went missing and it's um I think he, he he was one of our poorest players. It's interesting. I um because I, I when I did my Hoybjerg video I, I spent some time looking into the way teams are playing against us. Big focus on a front two and limiting the passes into our, our number six, whether that's Basuma or Hoybjerg, and how that sort of considerably removes our number six from the game. Mm. Um and I think that, that was a play here. And I also think that um, obviously, Basuma had considerably lesser players around him, so you've got two pretty, um, pretty big mitigating circumstances. But even with those in mind, I still wonder if he was carrying a knock or something in this game, or you know, suffering with a minor illness or something going wrong in his head or something because he just seemed off it uh, when we where we really needed him to sort of carry us through midfield a little bit. Um, so yeah, a little bit of concern there. Um, suppose we, we have done the goals now. I want to talk about our fitness in this game because I already alluded to it slightly. So, um, I think that we gassed out in this game collectively. Um, and Postacoglu, I think, said as much post match. Um, this is now the third game in a row in which we've conceded after 90 minutes. Obviously, understanding that Chelsea was, um, was unusual circumstances, but still, I think that we, um, Huh. It's funny because you look back to last season under Conte where um we were we were all marathon runners. We had eleven bardies out there and we would sort of jog about <laughs> for eighty minutes and then we'd push hard at the end when the other team were tired. And now we're all we've got eleven Usain Bolts out there and they go hard and then they're gassed out at the end. Um and I feel like yeah, we we've gone to the other t- other extreme almost of of how we built our fitness and um obviously like um like you said you've got a bunch of players coming in who who've only played a few minutes here a few minutes there Dyer especially not really played any football and then suddenly he's got to play 90 plus stoppage plus second lot of stoppage so that's going to happen um but yeah i do feel like we're um we're fading in the final 15 minutes of games um is uh is something to look out for as we go forward, not just with our current you know second choice eleven, and that's the other thing. And I, we, we said this before, like we said this after the uh, League Cup game against Fulham, is like if you just put Dyer into our first eleven, he's probably okay. If you just put Davies into our first eleven, yeah, probably okay. But you put Dyer and Davies and Emerson and Hoybjerg and and it's suddenly MS. That's I it. I thought Vicario had a poor game as well. So maybe maybe when we're talking about Basuma, uh, poor game on the ball, by the way, not poor game with his mm. shot stopping. Um, maybe when we talk, maybe we just say, hey, these two were were compromised with the players around them. 
I yeah. think that's just I think that's just a fundamental issue with with all those players that just without not having the centre backs who can pass the ball out properly, who can beat a press, could get involved, it just has an impact on Vicario. Then it has an impact on Basuma. And then, then you need Schäuble to kind of add something. And it's just, I'm just concerned about what happens between now and 2024. And this is, this, is what's, this is what's worrying me right now. So Nathan's talked about the physical aspect already. We had quite a few questions along these lines. So this is from Schaefe. It seems like in both matches this week, Chelsea and Wolves, we started coming undone when our opponents got physical with us and mm-hmm. the refs let a lot mm. let a lot of that go. Is this something we're going to increasingly see teams do to disrupt what we're trying to do? And similarly, Mickey Bob says, I feel like since the Liverpool game, the threshold for a yellow card has gone up for us. We seem to be getting beaten up around the park and not getting any protection from the referees. I did count the fouls given since, and we are minus 34. Also, we have seen three red cards in this time. Do you guys feel like there's any truth in this, or am I clutching? And I've also seen a lot of people on Twitter having similar conversations mm-hmm. around how you know we, it seems like our players are being punished, but players aren't being punished for fouls against us. Any thoughts? This is um, this is tough for me because um, first of all, I really, really strongly believe that my first, second, and third priority for my football team is be good. <laughs> Be so good that marginal calls or even non-marginal calls are irrelevant. And if we've conceded a penalty, we've won 5-2 instead of 5-1. Yeah, that's that's how I view my team and that's what I care about. Um, and secondly, I think the most boring um, discussion topic is fans of clubs crying about <laughs> their clubs having a hard time with the ref. Shut the hell. Everyone thinks that there's a grand conspiracy against their club and it's just such nonsense. But also... (laughs) Also, Wolves fucking fouled us off the pitch, man. Oh, my goodness. How did Dawson's, like, clear whack of Son's face off the ball get nothing? I don't know, man. I don't know. And, And it does feel... It does feel like... Since the Liverpool game and the big fuss that was made of that, we've not been getting the rubber things. Liverpool have been getting the rubber things in their game. And, uh, you know, you put out a statement about, you know, releasing the audio and how it's a disgrace, whatever they said. And you don't get your match replay, but you put some pressure on the refs, maybe. I um, I don't know. I will also say that, like, all three of those red cards are red cards. Yeah. You know, and also maybe Romero should have been sent off uh, five minutes earlier. Udogi should have been sent off five minutes earlier, right? So I'm not saying that they're fabricating reds against us. I'm just saying, yeah, maybe there's a case that we're not getting the rubber things. And certainly I would say this Wolves game um, should have been very different because Wolves should have had several yellow cards within the opening half hour of the game. Yeah, it was almost like last season after um, Romero pulled Cucurella's hair, things turned against us with referees. And it seems to the same thing happened this year. And I, I agree with you. I don't even think this match should arrive at a point where a referee not booking Wolves players has an impact on the game. I think we should just win the match outright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> it does feel like teams are getting free kicks, like a free hit against, especially Madison. Madison gets chopped three or four times mm. before the referee decides to book somebody because Caicedo and 
Fernandez had a good old kick at Madison at White Hart Lane the other day. Nothing happened from that. The thing with Madison, by the way, I wanted to say is that um, a lot of the focus on this game is obviously how we struggled in possession. But I do think that we probably missed Madison out of possession too. I think that our pressing really suffered in this game. Um, Our midfields repeatedly collapsed into our defensive line as if Conte was still our coach. Um, like we would allow Wolves to have lengthy spells of possession and that's not something we've been doing this season like obviously teams are going to have the ball sometimes um, and we're going to be forced back sometimes but it's the failure to recover when Wolves pass the ball back to the, one of the sent backs that we don't go right we're on them now we're going to press them and we're going to either win the ball or we're going to force them back into their own half um, whereas yeah our we've got three midfielders and they're all sitting on Eric Dyer's toes yeah I, I really strongly agree with that I think um Hoybier is not an Anjate at all. He's a six or nothing. He's a six and maybe a centre back <laughs> or nothing. Um, he's definitely, definitely, definitely not an eight, and that experiment should stop there. I mean, he'll play six next game because Basuma is suspended, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a, in a bit. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because I take it all the time. It's my morning routine. It's as much a part of me as watching Spurs. But where they're very different is my AG1 doesn't get tired, suspended or injured. It doesn't go missing, leaving me to face the Wolves with the Bermuda Triangle progressive football at the heart of the team. There's no stupid short free kicks or useless punts out the back straight to the opposition. Just top quality ingredients all in one blend, one scoop or one sachet. There's no B team, no squad fillers. Just get in my system and work. Mate, it's a nutritional supplement that delivers all the time. And if anything, it helps me to turn up week on week as it supports my immune health. My AG1 always turns up for the entire 90 minutes. Unlike some, get AG1 in you. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. Um, so it looked like we had some competition winners on the pitch for us this week. Bardi actually does have a competition winner to announce. Yep, thank you to everybody who submitted um, applications to the Vardy competition. Shout out to Ian Mentz, 
Jonathan Murphy, Scotto, Bjorn Hovena, so apologise for that pronunciation. Uh, big shout out to French 070, who um, said lovely things about Huddleston, who has always been one of my unsung heroes. Jeremy Kinsella did a little shout out for Nico Cruncher, who was a handsome man who could really whack a ball. But in the end, the winner, for, the winner is Joseph Gentile, who said about Ryan Mason, his precise passing and hardworking play in central midfield was easy on the eyes and fit well with Tottenham's attacking ethos. But it's in his commitment to serve the club in every possible role that has set him apart from hundreds of other players who have worn the shirt in the last 23 years. And that's fair enough. Ryan Mason has been the man with the knife behind every single Spurs manager in the last five years. <laughs> you have to admire that. But Ryan Mason is definitely an unsung hero and was really part of the um, transformation of Tottenham from kind of also rans into Premier League contenders for a short period of time. Typically, the guy I pick lives in America, so I've got now I've got a poster book to America. But um, Joseph, um, email us in your address and I'll get that sent out to you next week. Lovely stuff. And we had a request from Max Coverley to, um, well, he said he liked the idea and he'd be interested in hearing an episode where we go through some of the unsung heroes of the 21st century at Spurs. Uh, given that it's International Week, maybe that's something we can do a little bit of next week. I did have a, a chat about Unsung Heroes with Thelonious, who is, uh, if those of you don't know, part of the fighting cock. He's got an encyclopedic mind of, of Spurs players. And he he pushed back that there is no Unsung Heroes of the 21st century because there is social media, YouTube and everything else. So there's no surprises anymore. But there are genuine surprises to normal human beings that don't remember every single thing about Tottenham. So I pushed back there. But yeah, it, it's very different from, from the 1980s and early 90s where there just wasn't the footage for these guys. So now we have an international break and then we have Aston Villa. Um, very pleased that Destiny Doggy will be back for that one. He does have a minor knock. He's missing international duty with a minor yes, knock. Yes, so we've withdrawn him from the Italy squad. But probably, probably be back. Should and be back. we'll probably play him if he's not 100% because we need him, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we will be missing Basuma. So, hoi bier six. Yeah. So, so this is this is where I go back to the question I, I didn't say earlier. What are we going to do, man? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, and, and we've had lots of similar questions from listeners, Bardi. So Paul Meslin says, how do we stay afloat these next 10 games without Madison or Charleston probably for at least five of them in terms of an attack? Do we start Celso, move Decky to a 10 and play Johnson and Hill? Uh, Richard John says, could we start Kulisewski in a Madison role with Porro starting as a winger? And James Sullivan says, uh, the old guard of Dyer, Hoybier and co cannot play the way Ange wants to. Who should play instead? Uh, he says, which youth players will step up? Who can play centre-back and who can play the Madison role? What do we do? I think uh, the idea of Porro starting as a winger, I, I, I can't run with that because we're going to need Porro as the inverted right back. Yeah. Uh, I think the Kulisevsky into the 10 role would be a great shout if we had a viable winger option on the right. But at the moment, I don't think we do. No. So is it Lacelso and that's it? It's got to be Lacelso. Um <laughs> I he had a I appreciate he arguably made a mistake in my opinion was fouled for the second goal. 
Um, but I thought he he gave a tiny bit of brightness, a tiny bit of spark when he came on. Had a really good shot actually that that um, he, did. he was unlucky that didn't go in. Um, and we just got to hope and pray that there's there's something there for starting the Celso. He's had a few games off the bench now, or a couple of games off the bench now, and I think that's going to have to be enough because um, it's too early to be starting Benton Core, surely. Um, look, yeah, again, looking for him around the half hour mark. Well, I mean, I just think with Benton Core. We've already got these chronic injury issues throughout the whole team. Yeah. Why Why would you risk a guy who's just back from probably the worst injury a footballer can get? Like, there's no no need to rush him back and risk aggravating his uh, ACL injury, which I'm told by Jason McKenna, who is a sort of does a podcast with an injury expert that actually like it is one of the the highest risk injuries for a, a re injury. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. there's no need to take any chances with Ben Tancor's health, I don't think. The good news is um, he hasn't been called up by Uruguay, which is nice. Lo Celso has been called up by Argentina, which is oh. good. <laughs> so we know his 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 international record is appalling in terms of getting injured on oh, duty. No, <laughs> and Romero is that. there as well. Romero <laughs> is, is going away as well. Um, I I just think. I don't think we we said a lot of them about practicing on the training ground. There's just there's just not going to be a lot of them there. Does Ange change his style? Will he change his tactics? No, 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 no. no. It's not I even a discussion I, point yeah. anymore, right? <laughs> I wouldn't accept. No top manager does. They they, they very rarely not really. change. Yeah. So it comes down to which players can possibly slot in and add some creativity. And I think I think there are three options. I think the options are Lacelso coming in and playing in the Madison role. Brian Hill coming in and playing either in the Madison role or on the right with Kulosevsky moving across. Or Jamie Donnelly coming in and playing in the Madison role. Uh, I mean, what works against Donnelly, aside from the fact that he's got absolutely no experience in men's football, is that he is also away on international duty representing England under-19s with four of our other youngsters. They play three matches this international period. He will have no time on the training ground for Ange to look at him it's just not going to happen. He also, and I'm, I'm worried here that I'm now like the guy who just comes in and <laughs> craps on our youth players. He also has, um, um, he's not very mobile. I disagree. I think his pressing's amazing. Okay, he's not very mobile in possession, I guess. And I think that um, the 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 Madison role is is uh, we're looking for a more dynamic player. I think. Although I kind of said the opposite when when uh, when Ange first came in. I mean, I've never seen Jamie Donnelly play, but now I'm just thinking he's not mobile <laughs> when he's got the ball. He just just studs on the ball. Tom Huddleston. <laughs> no, because he, he plays as like a a number ten and has previously played as a forward. My the comparison that I've made before uh, and will make again is that he's um, he's Harry Kane in the period of time where his ankles were done and he couldn't run, <laughs> and he just stood in the hole and pinged the ball over the top. Great. No, honestly, Donnelly's an intense presser, very, okay. very intense presser. Like, okay. That's why I think that's one of the reasons <clears throat> I think he's the best profile fit for Madison because uh, we do not stop will will be something that Donnelly can get on board with. Um, uh, really good long range passer, really good creative vision, scores lots of goals. As you said, he's played a lot as a forward, but Ange hasn't shown much of an inclination to play young players thus far at Celtic. I can, I think he was kind of getting into the swing of starting to involve some young players, but it never really happened. He kind of left before he really integrated youth. 
So as much as he sort of talks to talk with young players, I don't think we're going to see that yet. He I, did I, walk, walk uh, in Japan um, with that regard. Okay. Um, mm. But obviously that's that's now like two clubs and two tiers below the current level of operation, right? So so that kind of remains to be seen. And also I think that Lascelles was there and, and, and he's got to be closing in on match fitness now and we just give Lascelles a go and see how that goes. Um, so yeah, assuming that Lascelles does a half-decent job and then you've also got Udogi in, um, things looking up there, but then you've also yeah. lost Basuma. I think after Basuma serves his suspension and you've got the three of them there, that's cool, but then we're playing Man City. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be so rough to watch, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to play Man City with the Davies and Dyer centre-back pairing. It's going to be tough. My, fi- my final thought on Lo Celso is I expect he'll leave in January or the summer. Uh, he... What if he gets a, like a run of games here where he plays well and proves his worth and value and doesn't get injured immediately? But, but, but Madison comes straight back in, doesn't he, and takes his spot. Sure. No, of course. Uh, and we should have two players for every position, and we should, yeah. you know, we should have two elite players for every position. And if we can get Lacelso back to where he's capable of being, then then great. But he wanted to go in the summer. There's talk that he's homesick. Ange kind of made some nice noises about him, and then just hasn't involved him at all. I just don't think it's going to work out with Lacelso. And and so part of me's like, what's the point? Like this guy's gone. Why do we even invest any time in him? And I guess we need him right now. That's why <laughs> this is, that's the thing, right? It's, it's it's desperate times. It's really, really desperate times in terms of the lack of creativity. I guess because um, we're going to be missing Basuma for the Villa game. Villa are a good side. Then we've got City away afterwards. We could be looking at four losses on the bounce. Um, obviously, I'm jumping the gun there, and there's quality in the squad, and and things tend to go away against Man City. No matter what, right? Um, but do you think that like the mood of the club begins to dive with four losses? Like, what think, kind of conversation are we having in that scenario in a couple of weeks' time? I don't think any goodwill can absorb four to five losses on the bounce. I think Postacoglu will find himself under an immense pressure. Just really, I think not from. I don't think there'll be a Postacoglu out movement, but I think we've managed to quieten down all the Daniel Levy. We want you out. We've managed to quieten down all the Enoch out nonsense. That will all come back, and I think we'll be in for a really rough run at home over Christmas from the crowd. I think the crowd will let it be known. And if we get into early January and there's been no movements in the transfer window to address hmm. the issues in the in the squad, I think for the first time, the Enoch out movement will be galvanised by this. And I think this will seriously galvanise it. Because they've gone away because we won matches. Winning games fixes everything. Yeah. But I do, I do think if we go into a dirty run now into Christmas and into New Year, there's going to be real pressure everywhere. West Ham after City at home. And then Newcastle home. Yeah, that's an interesting run. I um, is there any part of you, buddy, or maybe mm. this is unfair on, or to put it on you? Maybe, maybe yeah. the question is: is there, is there a voice within the fan base who's like, it will be good if we lose four games in the bounce because then you know Levy will take our problems seriously and actually spend some fucking money in January, kind of thing. No, I, I don't think losing games is ever good for the for the long run. I think winning matches is always better. I think it's better to make changes from a position of power at it, from a, from a good place. I think us being in a good run of form being high up the table makes us a more appealing prospect to, to players I know perhaps that doesn't really matter Madison joined us when we were a mess 
So maybe it's just me being a bit of a fantasist, but I think I think if we go into January in the top four and in a nice place, it'll be a lot easier to to attract people to the course. I my concern about Lacelso is we're talking about a guy here who's not been good since pre-COVID, and he can't. He doesn't seem to stay fit, and he doesn't seem to do anything when he does play. And um, I really don't think, like Wendy said, I really don't think he gives a shit in terms of putting a run together. It's not important to him. I think he's got enough kudos and enough kind of respect on his name to go somewhere else in the summer. And he doesn't really care about boosting up his price tag or anything else like that. He knows he can find a club. We're playing seven games in December. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) I thought we had an easy one game a week, nice little stroll in the park season in our hands. I do have to ask you two about this. Um, So we were all for the one game a week thing, but... All our players have broken down. Is this yeah, bad imagine luck? how fast they would have broken down <laughs> if they had to play Europa League qualifiers like as well. Newcastle players. Is this our players being biscuits or are we pushing individuals who've not really had a high intensity match experience before? Are we pushing these guys too much? I um I do wonder a little bit if we're I mean, obviously to an extent it's like it's a competitive athletic game. And if your opponent goes hard and you want to win, you've also got to go hard. So like there's always this um there's always this game of chicken going on in terms of how hard a coaches two coaches are pushing their given players in a match, right? Um and yeah, because of the type of football that we're playing and because we're playing once a week, we're going for higher intensity rather than higher um cardio sustainability right um but i think the combination of that and you know madison seeing out 90 minutes with a knock on successive games i think if we're gonna if we're gonna have a critique it's going to be specific and say should have brought madison off more often more early yeah 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 i mean and maybe the same with sun now uh, and and richardson was playing through with a what sounds like a hernia injury as well so that's three players who are carrying on playing with injuries we would absolutely have criticised Conte Mourinho for that, so I yeah, think it's, it's only true. fair that we criticise Postacoglu. Fair enough. Um, I think with um, Van de Ven, there's been some suggestion that the delays, the VAR checking and stuff, might have had an impact because the muscle would have cooled down and then suddenly he's up being asked to sprint back from the halfway line with a slightly colder muscle. I mean, I, I just think the number of sprints he's having to do full stop is enough to put his hamstrings <laughs> at risk. It is, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just always going to be a risk with that role and being a huge guy who does explosive things. That's just always going to be there. Like, he's done his hamstring before. Um, I think, oh, is it the same leg? I'm not sure if it's the same leg. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's an interesting one in terms of, of lactic acid buildup and cooling down with, with VAR stoppages. But then it's like, if you don't get that stoppage, you're just going to redline the muscle anyway because you're going to fatigue it hard with no rest between your sprints. So... I don't know. There's not really a there's not really a a, yeah. a way out of things there, right? I think I think a hamstring muscle was always going to go at some point. It may have just gone twenty minutes later. But I I do think if Spurs are concerned about the VAR stoppages, there should be a process in place where something happens, the physio or somebody does a direction, and they can do something. I think I have seen clubs do something, some sprints or some kind of jogging in that period. So maybe we need to think about that. Get a quick mm. fucking hamstring massage going on during the VAR. You know, run, walk uh, fast <laughs> over to the sideline and get a quick rub <laughs> in Walla. <while>, uh... <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I think 
we're joking about this, but it will happen. If, yeah. if, this, if this level of checking continues, it will happen. Um, just if we can briefly go back to talking about the, the sort of potential returning toxicity, mm. I completely agree with Bardi that the, the Levy out stuff will reappear if we, if we lose a run of games. Um, I've already seen him being blamed for this game against uh, Wolves because he didn't supply Ange with a backup centre-back. I, th- I think it's a reasonable criticism to say that we, we messed up by not signing a backup centre-back. I think we got ourselves into a pickle by signing Manor Solomon and, and therefore using up one of our non-homegrown spaces. I've said that before, and I think we then limited ourselves because we could only sign a, a homegrown centre-back, thus meaning Lloyd Kelly or, or Tosin were the only options available to us, basically, which was, which was tough. Um, and I think... We were always going to spend money in January. I think we will spend money sooner in January than we would have done had we not had all these injury problems. Remember, in January, we lose Basuma and Saar for the African Cup of Nations, and we also lose Son for the Asian Games for a large part of January. So, you know, we're going to be thin on the ground anyway. Add into that Van der Ven and Madison potentially not being around, Mm -hmm. that it's it's going to be tough. We're going to need reinforcements. Or we're going to need some of these backup players to have really acclimatised and really stepped up by then, or a youth player or whoever. Um, So Toby Ron says... Key players suspended and others injured going into a tricky run of games, yet I'm pretty confident we're still going to pick up some points and at the very least play some good ball. Are you feeling the same way and have you ever experienced anything like it? And to be fair, this was before the Wolves game, um, but it's interesting, isn't it, that on one hand there's this fear that we're going to suddenly go on this losing streak, whereas Toby is feeling uh, pretty good about how things are going to be. What do you reckon? After the first 10 minutes against Wolves, I was like, oh, hello, something is all right here. It's okay. And then that fell apart. So I think um, I'd be curious to know what Toby thinks now after after the Wolves match. But I'm very, um, yeah, I'm not very optimistic about... I think maybe we'll get something from Villa, but I don't think we'll get anything from City. And I just think West Ham will just kind of long ball us, set piece us to, to death <laughs> at, at home. They just have that knack. Of just James Ward Prowse is an incredible signing. If you could, if you don't want to have the football and you can afford not to have the football and just wait until he has a free kick, he's an incredible player to have in your team. He doesn't offer anything else other than just whipping it. But I, I am worried about our run of games. I um I put some time in looking at centre backs, um, and I was looking for a very difficult profile of centre back. I was looking for someone who can play on both the left and the right. Someone who can play a balanced role or either swing from one way to the other in terms of passive or um, aggressive. And um, I've got a sort of a long list that I've not really chewed through because, again, it's a difficult profile. And I'm wondering if actually I should just be looking at two centre backs and, <laughs> and get one guy who's like Romero and one guy who's like Van der Ven. And uh, actually, we need two centre backs. Um, what, uh, what do you reckon? I do think we need two centre backs in the long term. Yeah. So. Get one now and one later. One now, one summer. I think, yeah. The thing is, it's like um, if the situation with I'm going to get it right this time. Dorrington. <laughs> the situation with Dorrington and Phillips is like you've got two um, uh, promising players there. Yeah. Who you know there should be a pathway for, and if they end up being fifth choice, fifth and sixth choice. That's difficult, but also neither of them are, in my opinion, ready to be fourth choice. So, yeah, what do you do? You you bring in two centre-backs and loan them both, both out. They both need loans, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, I think the ideal situation for me would be to bring in the centre-back early January, get Dorrington and Phillips both out on loan to League Two clubs, League One clubs, whatever, and get them like a half season of football. If you're not going to use Don Lee, get him out as well, prepare him for next year, and then next year we'll have a whole bunch of players with a lot more experience coming back, Alfie Devine having played a full season, mm. for example, and suddenly there is a an option to integrate some of the youth players where maybe Ange feels a bit more able to do so. Okay, I think I'm going to start again with my <laughs> with my centre back research. One of each. One of each. Um, in terms of the sort of the positivity that, that Toby was putting across, I do think we so nearly won this game, and and don't get me wrong, we didn't play well, but we so nearly ground we it out. Got and, away and, with it. Yeah. yeah, and like I, I think if we'd ground out that one nil win with all the injuries and suspensions and four changes, four players coming in who've not really played a great deal and who we don't particularly rate as long-term um, Spurs squad players, I think it would have been such a great result and would have really set us up nicely for Villa. Um, I do think Villa are a bit of a nightmare opponent for us right now because they're not that interested in having possession. They're really good on the counter. They've got a lot of pace in behind. I'm not enjoying watching Dyer and Davis running back towards their own goal, chasing Diaby and Watkins over and over. That That's not something that fills me with glee. Um, and then City is a nightmare fixture. I am someone who wants to be positive because I think the system that we've got is is more important than the individuals within it. But yeah, I don't like those fixtures at all. And then, you know, if you do lose four in a row, you know, even if I think the West Ham game is a much better fixture for us, having lost four in a row, it'd be really hard for the players to then sort of feel confident about the way the, the system's going. So it would be tough. <laughs> Does that make Villa must win? <laughs> No. I I, th- I think it does. I think we need to get three points from Villa. I think somehow, hook by crook, we need to get something. We need to get three points from Villa just to get through the, the Man City game, just to change the feeling, just to change everything else. We can't go to Man City on having lost two in a row. Mm. Uh, I think... Um... I think things are going to suck for a little while, but I'm still super, super happy about the long term. I still, Same. I still adore our coach in a way that I, I didn't think I could. Um, and I feel pretty good. Uh, I feel good. I feel good about our structure behind the scenes and the way we're looking to build the squad. And this is, this is just some penance for the way we've done things over the last five years. <laughs> Um, you know, we we haven't moved on yet. We haven't yeah. moved those players on, and um, yeah. just have to just have to keep the long term in mind. I think that's all. I think so, and I think also we'll have some players coming back end of Jan, middle of Jan, maybe from injury, uh, who don't have two matches a week in their legs, and and some of the teams around us will be looking tired and, and leggy by that point, and we can go on a really good run to end the season. I still think top four is is a Good. I think we've got a good, strong chance of top four. Um, it might even be top five because there's a chance that, that that five clubs will qualify for the Champions League next year, depending on performance of Premier League clubs in in Europe. So definitely no need to get too downhearted. There's it feels shit right now because we've lost critical players, but there's so much good going on at Spurs, and, and we mustn't lose sight of that. Um, I do think these next two weeks will lead to an improved performance against Villa one way or another, uh, albeit <laughs> with Bazuma out, it, it's going to be tricky. But yeah, I do. I, largely, I just feel pretty confident and, and pleased with the direction things are going in. It's just a shame, right? 
Did you say that Bentancourt hasn't been called up? Yeah. He's been called up. Oh, oh for fuck's sake. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at the extra inch UK. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. 